Thank you. We are continuing the story, the chronological Bible. 11, we've read five minutes a day in chapter 11. And, and um, chapter 11 is uh, 2 Samuel, starting with 2 Samuel 6, verse 11, is where we're going to turn in the scriptures. But that, in that chronological Bible, um, 31 sermons, and, and this is number 11 of the 31. So can we reset that, please? Thank you. So here we go. The title of this message is called Being Mindful of the Presence of God. Being mindful of the presence of God. What blessings come from being mindful of the presence of God? I want to give a little definition of what it means to be mindful of the presence of God. God is always everywhere, right? But the symbol of God's presence in the Old Testament was the ark. And the, and the, and the Old Testament is the picture book of the Bible. All the great grace theologies and favor of God theologies are in the New Testament, but the Old Testament has prophetic pointers to those New Testament realities in picture form. Romans 15, the Apostle Paul says, these things were written to encourage us. That is the Old Testament. The Old Testament words were written to, enc- to encourage us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And um, it's really great going through the, narr- the faith narratives of the Old Testament because we see so much New Testament theology, New Testament blessings there. We're going to see that today. But being mindful of the presence of God means that, here's what it does not mean. It it does not mean that my problem, my concern, my worry, my anxiety, the the things that tend to obsess my life, what C.S. Lewis called the, the noise out there, the constant noise out there, that it's right in front of me and God is on the other side of it, and I'm trying to get through all that to God. No. Being mindful of the presence of God means that the ark of God, which is a symbol of the presence of God, the, the, the presence of God is between us and every anxiety, every worry, every fear, every concern, every goal, every desire that we have. The presence of God stands between us and that. And we're mindful of the presence of God. Now, nobody can be Probably Jesus Christ was the only one on the planet that was ever continually mindful of the presence of God, continually. Um, but we can, just like in, the, in a conversation with a friend, there are long periods of silence, or your spouse, long periods of silence, but then there's conversation again. We can, we can always recognize that the presence of God is with us because... As the ark was a symbol of the presence of God in the Old Testament, in the holiest of holies, the ark is a box, a very fancy wood box with a gold plated with uh, cherubim uh, angels, um, uh, two of them, and the mercy seat between the cherubim angels. And, And the Bible says that just like that ark was in the holiest of holies, in the tabernacle of Moses in the desert, And in the tabernacle of David, during the time of King David, 
that we are the temple of God now. Individually and together, we are the temple of God, so we carry the presence of God constantly. And there are great blessings that come from being mindful of the presence of God. One thing I wanted to, it just comes to mind, um, that kind of crowded its way between me and the presence of God just now, (laughs) is we have a, uh, um, David Grant, D.W. Grant has a book signing it's in Pastor Dan's News and Notes, but it's about today, after the service today, uh, new books, two new books out, and there'll be a book signing with part of the proceeds going to uh, fire victims, so you can uh, see David afterwards and see what those books are. Wave at us, David. There he is. Good to have you with us today. So, turning to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11, or in the story, page 163, the ark. Oh, by the way, um, what we've seen so far is David and his calling. Samuel goes to David's house and says, one of your sons, Jesse, I'm going to anoint as king of Israel. It must have been a real high pressure moment for Jesse because he knew Saul was king and that could be trouble for him if one of his sons got um, anointed king when King Saul was king. And he went through all the older sons. Nope, not him. Is there anybody else? Oh, I have one. My youngest son's out with the sheep get him, brought him in, and, and, God had, and God told Samuel, this is the one I've anointed. I love it that, it that the anointing on David didn't start with Saul anointing him. It was amplified by Saul anointing him. But the Lord told Samuel, this is the one I have anointed, so anointing, anoint him, the one I've already anointed. And, my, and um, the first talking point of this talk today is being mindful of the presence of God brings great blessings to our homes. Now David, uh, this, uh, so far in chapter 11, as we've been reading, David and his calling, David and Goliath's story is there, David and the, and the trouble with King Saul, and then David and the ark, the presence of God is what we're going to be looking at. But David already was putting God first in his life, and our first talking point is is that there are great blessings. Being mindful of the presence of God brings great blessings to our homes. One of the things I do when I share the gospel with people, if I just have a very few seconds to, I have a, a two-minute version of the gospel and a 30-second version of the gospel. And when I only have a 30-second version of the gospel opportunity, I say, young man, if you ever think about giving your heart to Jesus, I want to put my vote in it for you to do that because I asked Jesus into my heart over 40 years ago and every day since I've had supernatural joy and peace and love in my inner world and in my home. Now I know everyone wishes they had supernatural joy and peace and love in their inner world. Jesus is the one that can give us that. And even if we don't have it, we can always turn back to him, default to him, and experience that because he's a rock to us. And everybody wants that atmosphere that's in their inner world with Jesus to overflow into our homes. And that's what's happening here as we look at 2 Samuel 6, verse 11. The ark of the Lord, presence of the Lord, remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. They had tried to bring the ark into Jerusalem three months earlier, 
and they didn't do it according to the word of God. They didn't have the, the honor and the precision that God wanted to have honoring for the ark. And there was a disaster that resulted. And David um, um, plummets into a pity party for three months, but, that, but he notices through a testimony something happened. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household who, were, who had the ark at his house. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. I love that. The ark of God, the presence of God was at Obed-Edom's house and because of that, Obed-Edom's whole household was blessed and the Hebrew word means happy, favor, everything going great. And that testimony, someone began to testify about that, and the testimony finally reached David's ears, and that testimony sparked faith in David to get that ark to his house and to the capital city of Jerusalem so that his house could be blessed, the king's house, and there would be an effect on the whole city and the whole country as a result. But it all boiled down to the testimony about God's blessing on Obed-Eden because the presence of God was in his house. Now, I want to remind you about something. Years prior, the, um, the Philistines had taken captive the ark. We read that last, about last week. And they had put the ark in their temple of the god Dagon, and Dagon had crashed to the ground. God had sovereignly crashed that idol to the ground. And they sent the, bar, the ark back to Israel, but Israel did not bring it into the capital. They just kept it on the, on the border. Why? Because they did not have faith for the presence of God being with them because of the battle that had gone south. They didn't have faith anymore about what God had said about his presence being with the ark, and his blessing being with his presence. And there may well have been blessing with whoever was guarding the ark for 20 years, but there was no testimony about it. My friends, every single time you see God at work doing something, great big miracle, little miracle, testify about it because there will be more blessing and more opportunity for the presence and favor and blessing of God if we keep those testimonies going. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 18, verse 14, in everything David did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. Sorry, that's 1 Samuel 18, 14. In everything David did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And uh, Psalm 1 says, everything we do will what? Will prosper. Why? Because we are planted by rivers of water, rivers of living water, who is Jesus. And because of that, everything we do will prosper. Now, immediately someone says, well, this didn't prosper or that didn't prosper. My friends, I'm talking about living a certain theology of expectation. We also need to live with mystery from time to time, right? Right? And we also um, have to live with the kind of wisdom that, that, um, that if you know that uh, there's a chance something's not, generally speaking, some investment or something you're at is um, a bit off the wall, you can't expect God to just, unless he is way leading you and you know he is, 
Um, there's wisdom involved in life too. But the, obs- but the observation I want to make about this is that the presence of God, we can, I live my life in an expectation of favor every single day. I'm surprised that favor doesn't hit me because I expect favor and it's a great atmosphere to live in. The presence of God being between me and every fear, between me and every anxiety, between me and every goal that I have, presence of God is always my supreme goal. Jesus said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. You can say that too. Say it with me right now. I'm going to say it once again, then you say it after me. The Father is in me. And I am in him. And the Father himself loves me. Isn't that good? Love that. David, in his home out with his sheep, always had God between him and every problem. Between him and the bear that attacked his sheep. Between him and the lion that attacked his sheep. He he always defaulted to the presence of God. And he sang those hymns, those psalms that, are, that we see in the book of Psalms with his uh, guitar from that day. Out there with his sheep, wherever his home was, his home was blessed because he had the presence of God with him. And out of that came great success and blessing in his life. I mean, the presence of God was the key factor for him defeating Goliath for him getting through the trauma with Saul trying to kill him later on. Everything in David's life was always the blessing of his home based on him putting God first, putting God, God's presence in the worship and praise of God first. And uh, uh, next week, we'll see where he made a great, huge mistake, a great sin. And it was, uh, the sin was based on a, 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 an a priori sin, a presuppositional sin, a sin that was the first sin before he actually sinned um, uh, with, uh, in, with adultery and, and uh, murder. And that sin was abandoning the presence of God in his inner life and the grace and favor of God in his inner life. That was the first thing he did. And then the other sins came as a result of abandoning the power and the presence of God. How do you amplify the presence of God within you The Father's in you, the Spirit's in you, the Son, Jesus, is in you. How do you experience an amplification of that? Well, what David did was praise God, didn't he? With his mouth. He said, you read through the Psalms, he says stuff like, praise the Lord. He says stuff like, you are great, O God. I exalt you, O God. He verbalized it. Now, my friends, there's a place and a time for quiet, contemplative worship. One of the greatest uh, move of gods in, in Christian history were the Quaker movement. And they would, spend, they would spend an hour sometimes just in silence with wave after wave of the Spirit washing over them. But there's certainly also opportunities for great celebration, worshiping God with our bodies, raising our hands, clapping. David danced before the Lord. We'll see that in just a few minutes. But certainly saying I praise you, I love you, hallelujah, out loud. I, it was one of the first lessons I learned as a new Christian. A singing group called the Brethren from Seattle came to our high school, shared this before with you, and stirred everything up for, uh, for several weeks 
um, there was a, a, ram, a, a reverberation of the power and presence of God in our high school. I had started a Christian coffee house, so I had them come and sing at our Christian coffee house and minister. One of the things that those guys did was they said, open your mouth and praise the Lord. So we did and God did. He poured himself out on us. I began to think, oh my gosh, this is a secret to the presence of God is verbalizing praise. Then out of that, start, just start speaking in tongues. Make noise to God and God will intercept it and turn it into a, an amazing language of praise and worship to him. But we've got to say the words. We've got to start making the noises in, in speaking in tongues. God intercepts it and turns it into a miraculous Holy Spirit-inspired language that he enjoys hearing so much. But it has to do with humbly stepping out and, and uh, praising the Lord. Jerry Cook put it this way. One of the most valuable things you can do as a Christian is to live consciously in his presence. Remind yourself often, I am in heavenly places now. That practice will save you a lot of aggravation, grumbling, and fear. It will also make you available for God's purposes wherever you find yourself. Praise. You know that thanksgiving is a strong motif, motif in the New Testament, but you know what motif is stronger in the Old Testament than even thanksgiving? And that's praise. Thanksgiving means, wow, I got a new iPad. I declare it by faith, I don't have one. God, thank you for my new iPad. Focus on the iPad, I mean gratitude for it. Praise is focus on exalting God, his person, who is always between me and my iPad, even when I'm preaching, hallelujah, thank God for that. <laughs> so, power and presence of God, blessing of God, presence of God, being mindful of God, in our homes, wherever we are in our homes. He wants us that, that atmosphere to be in our inner world and to splash out of that into our homes. Atmosphere changing dynamic. Second talking point, being mindful of the presence of God brings a great blessing to our cities. To our cities. I'm continuing down and reading through 2 Samuel 6. First, we talked about uh, the blessing on Oban, Obed-Edom in his home and, and David desire, hearing the testimony and bringing it back, wanting to bring the ark back to Jerusalem and to his home. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness, with praise and joy. The presence of God to the city of David. David had faith that bringing the presence of God back into his home and to his city would bless the whole city. God wants to inspire in us and stir up a faith in us that we are atmosphere changers as individuals and as a church family and with every other gospel preaching church in all of the cities of Southern Oregon that because we praise and sing and the Lord in our to the Lord in our own homes, in our own cars, in our own private worlds, and in our togetherness as a church family, uh, uh, even broadcast into our homes like this, that that is in fact bringing an increased level of the presence of God in the cities of Southern Oregon. And I always like to declare Medford means middle Ford. 
And we are right in the middle of the river of God in this place. Phoenix is always connected to a, a legend that, Phoenix, that the Phoenix bird rises from the dead. And that always points me to Jesus with regard to Phoenix. Talent is don't bury your talent. Ashland is we need to repent in sackcloth and ashes. Eagle Point is we need to see the uh, with eyes of an eagle. Do you see from a kingdom reality in all these? Rogue River. I am totally in favor of being rebellious and a rogue community against the ways of this world. I, I drive a, a Honda Rebel motorcycle, a little 250 Rebel. I, I love being a rebel against the, uh, the, the standards of our culture. Pressing into the kingdom of God. So in all of our uh, central point, the central point is Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, go to bat with it for your prospect. Man, there's amazing prospects out there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> and we're prospecting for gold in the kingdom. <laughs> I mean, you can really have fun with the cities, can't you? Well, City of David, Jerusalem, brought the presence there. There in the in the Great Awakening in the colonies and in England in the mid-1700s, as you know, I'm reading about that right now, refreshing uh, that history of that revival. Uh, in Northampton, where Jonathan Edwards preached, he said he could only name just a few people who he wasn't absolutely sure were born again in the whole town. You could not go through the town on a Sunday without hearing the praises of God uh, coming out of people's windows and people singing and praise to the Lord. The whole town was transformed. And that can happen. It happened in, um, even in Nineveh. Remember when Jonah preached there? Three days of preaching, a million population city repented. And they, they didn't even know any of, the, any of the Bible stories. So, The invitation is to have faith for our cities. Stephen Svint told me a story of a new Christian on his street that told him, you know that church that used to be over there on West Main? It was the West Main Assembly of God. You know that church? When, that, when they were there and they would have the, you could hear their singing and stuff, our neighborhood was a lot more mellow. And that's a theological word, you know, mellow. New Christian just noting that. That he noted that even before he became a Christian. He was observing that. That's probably what helped bring him to faith in Christ. Three. So we've, we've talked about blessing of God in our homes, our cities. The blessing of being mindful of the presence of God brings a great blessing to our gospel proclamation. Do you know if God said, if you ring this bell down through the, the, the streets of your city, and I'll come with power, and I'll, say, I'll give people the miraculous blessing of being born from above, the miracle of the new birth, just as you ring this bell, would you humbly do it? Would you do it if one out of 10 people responded that way and got born from above just by ringing a bell? You'd look kind of silly doing that, wouldn't you? Would it be worth it to help other people be saved? And yet and yet, that's what God's called us evangelists to do. And we have evangelists at New Song Church, and I hope you pray for us that we'll go out ringing the bell. And it's not ringing a literal bell. It's, it's, it's like 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, the gospel rang out from you. It's proclaiming the cross of Jesus Christ. And there's a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ being proclaimed in 2 Samuel 6 as we continue the story. And so it was 
when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that David sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Sacrificing oxen and fatted sheep are prophetic pointers to the atoning work of Christ coming a thousand years later on the cross. Every six steps. Six is the number of man's work in the Bible. Uh, The supreme evil is denying God and 666, just going for just man's ways and not God. But six is the number of man's work. Six days you shall work, seventh rest um, is, uh, is in the Old Testament. And six, so six symbolizes work. So the work we're to do, one, two, three, four, five, six, the work we're to do is to sacrifice. We don't sacrifice, but to remember the sacrifice of Christ and to proclaim it. This is what David's doing prophetically. He's working at proclaiming the, the cross of Jesus coming a thousand years. Even though in his, he doesn't know what the, the full revelation of it, he knows that God's leading him to do this. So the work is proclaiming the cross. Plus, it goes on to say, David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and he was wearing a linen ephod. Linen was what the priests were to wear because it would not cause sweat. My friends, worship is a no-sweat thing. It's just receiving. It's a gift. D.L. Moody, great evangelist, said, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin from which we are saved from. Yeah, just breathe a breath of fresh air on that one. Be happy. I believe in the power of the gospel. Paul even told the Philippians that he was glad when people were even preaching it for wrong motives to get him in trouble because of the, it's ringing the bell. And God responds, poof. Some people get saved just by ringing the bell. <laughs> Whether they're even Christians or not. You know, I've heard of people getting saved from an, uh, an unbeliever sharing the gospel with, with another unbeliever. And the, unbelie- and the other un- unbeliever got saved as a result of it. I'm so happy that in my own personal life journey, many of you know, most of you, I think all of you probably know, that God's called me to be a pastor, a teacher, but also a, an evangelist. I'm really happy doing that. I've been happy doing that for almost 50 years now. And I love it. I love proclaiming the gospel to people. I proclaimed the gospel to a young lady who visited our fellowship last night, one of uh, 16 people that were present last night, or Saturday night, and she totally wanted to be saved. Was, well, I just, the bell rang, and God, I don't even consider uh, uh, anyone that doesn't believe in Jesus being an unbeliever. I think they're all, everybody's a pre-believer. <laughs> and do you know that even in our television ministry, we're told by the TV, uh, Channel 11 and 11 um, folks, our TV uh, um, station, that there are 200 people that watch every, every uh, Sunday at 11, average, and we figured out that 40 of them are pre-believers. So my personal goal is to share the gospel, and I'm on track with that in this season, 20 people a week out, out and about, highways and byways. My goal isn't to see a certain amount of people get saved. My goal is to share with 20 people and let God do the rest. But it's really, really cool to me that double that happens every Sunday at 11 a.m. Over, over channel 11 at 11. So if you're a pre-believer and you're, seeing, and you're watching this today, 
What's God saying to you? You going to do something about that? Call on Jesus to save you and experience the miracle of being born from above. It'll rock your world, supernatural joy, peace and love in your inner world, your home, your city. It's a great way to live. Four, so we've talked about cities, home cities, gospel, and then um, our together praise. Being mindful of the presence of God brings a great blessing to our together praise as we did today. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet, worshiping God humbly with their bodies, with their voices. So I remember put it this way, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy. And I'll show you what you worship. We influence each other to worship. The great theologian Denzel Washington once said, if you hang around five confident people, you'll be the sixth. If you hang around five intelligent people, you'll be the sixth. If you hang around six millionaires, you'll be the sixth. I don't know about that one. I don't have faith for that one yet. (laughs) If you hang around five idiots... You'll be the sixth. Moral of the story, who are you hanging around? Hang around with worshipers. It's contagious. Michael, David's wife, was not a worshiper. 2 Samuel 6, 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. This commentary from a very famous preacher, you'd recognize the name. This new unbelief today is truly alarming. There has never been such a great apostasy. There has never been such a casting off of the Christian faith. Never an age where there's been such a scoffing at and ridiculing of the gospel. Vital spirituality is being called fanaticism and crack-brained. Persecution comes in the form of humor to despise and laugh at all spirituality. Very famous preacher, but you know what, my friends? that famous preacher that said all these, those things was Jonathan Edwards in the mid-1700s. Nothing new under the sun. Okay? Nothing new under the sun. There's always going to be Michaels, even in our own families, judging us for our freedom and joy. Don't let them get you down. Let your peace return to you and keep Keep them away emotionally and keep the presence of God between you and them, okay? Always and evermore. Lastly, being mindful of the presence of God brings a great blessing to our feelings of family affection. I'm not going to read all of that uh, last passage because I know it's time to be done here now, but I want to say that just the verse 19, King David distributed among all the people, verse 19, he distributed among all the people among the whole multitude of Israel, both the 
women and the men, to everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. Millions of people, all distributed by the federal government. So all the people departed, everyone to his own house. And you have a sense of it being, let's go home for Thanksgiving. We've had a great time worshiping God, and now we're going to bring it back to our homes, and the cycle begins all over again. The blessing of God in our homes. This passage starts with it and ends with it. I just say, bring it on, Lord Jesus, don't you? Food, joy of food, it's a great aspect of Christian fellowship. I, I conclude with a quick story. Last week, I, uh, one of the great blessings I have in doing personal evangelism, talking to those 20 people out there, is I often run into Christians that God sets up with me for a divine appointment. And I always ask a Christian uh, who's already saved, I say, is there anything I can pray for you for? And sometimes they'll have something, and sometimes they'll say, no, then I'll say, uh, I'll, can I just take a few moments to praise God and thank God that everything's going well? And they often say yes. So I'll, I pray a prayer over a, a, a young couple uh, last week. And as I was praying uh, over them, blessing them, thanking God for their, his work in their lives, I saw a picture of them with all this amazing food with uh, friends around the table with them. And I shared with them the picture that I saw in my spirit as I was praying for them. And they... They, they said, that's our, that's our primary ministry. We, twice a week, we prepare these great meals and invite different people over just to share the gospel and the love of God and the food with them. And I'm saying that not to, not to, um, not to say, yay, Dan, but I'm saying, I love it that God gave me that picture. God's the one that gave it to me. Sometimes he doesn't give me any picture. I just share what I, when he does. I shared that picture with them, and it, they, they just beamed and were radiant with joy because I said to them, God is right in the middle of your dinner parties that you have at your home. Cakes, raisins, all kinds of good stuff. King David wanted to share the wealth with everybody. It was a happy day for Israel. Let's stand and we'll have a prayer together. Put your hand on your heart. And we say over us all, right now, Lord Jesus, we put your presence between us and any anxiety, worry, concern, obsession, goal. It's always just about you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, those of you watching on TV, if you want to ask Jesus in your heart, the Bible says in Romans 12, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It also says in that same chapter, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. I want to ask those at home and those in the audience here. If you're here in the audience here, if, you, if you're responding to Jesus saying, I'm asking Jesus into my heart for the first time, I'm getting good saved right now, would you look up and catch my eye? I want to give you a chance to respond to Jesus. I'm not seeing anybody, so wave at me if I'm missing you. And those of you that are at home right now, we want to give you 40 friends watching on channel 11 at 11 or watching on our YouTube channel a chance to be saved. And if I can indulge this audience here with us to make it easier for me and for them, say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I believe you rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. 
right now. Amen. My friends, if you said that and you mean it, you're born from above this very second. Contact a Christian friend you respect today. Text them or call them today. They'll help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. They've already been praying for you. They'll be that organic connection that will disciple you to Jesus. God bless you as you go. Have a super week. Thank you for being with us today.